0: Welcome to the Whitetail Obsession podcast with Dave Richmond and co-host Chris Worthing, where we talk and teach everything deer and turkey hunting related. Follow along as we help teach you tips and techniques about hunting, food plots, and habitat management strategies that everyone can use. Welcome back to this week's podcast, guys. We're on number eight, Chris. We're on. What's going on? We're on number eight.
1: Hey, we've got some nice weather happening out there right we now. We do.
0: 69 today sunny yeah and you yep. know what the number one topic on social media is i know but you tell me people wanting to get tillers out and start <laughs> disking <food laughs> and planting seeds in the freaking ground
1: we it, got a month and a half of freezing weather yet
0: yes we do it's way too early to even be considering food plots unless you're in some area where it's time to frost seed. but as far as anything else goes
1: <sighs>
0: guys we have please wait Cause that's yeah. one of the, it happens every year, um, where people discuss food plots and they just, they get a couple warm days like we have been and they just want to start throwing seed in the dirt.
1: Yeah. they're going to blame it on the seed.
0: Wasn't mm. their fault. Yeah. Blame it on the seed, it's Not their fault. Silly. It's just, it's too cold, man. Like a lot of them seeds, they love heat. I mean, clovers, you know, get away with a little bit cooler, but if you're doing any kind of beans or even Egyptian wheat, you know, buckwheat, all that stuff loves heat.
1: All that stuff t- can't even germinate unless it's over 50 degrees soil temperature, not air yeah. temperature, soil temperature. Yeah.
0: Even some of it even needs warmer than that, like, you know, Egyptian wheat and stuff like that. So,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to take a dive. I don't want to go down a huge rabbit hole, but I want to dive into this, uh, into bedding areas, you know, creating bedding areas on properties. And it's a, it's a, uh, it's a big topic right now. And I actually have made a few videos about it in the past and I just released one today. Um, but it's, it's a big topic, you know, have you been seeing the same thing?
1: I have, there's a couple of guys I've seen on Facebook that are talking about it. And, uh, the, there, there's certain buzzwords like buck betting, and, you know, this type of thing. And mm-hmm. I, I, I said it before it's, it's false hope yeah. Um, unless you have, you know, a couple hundred acres and you can designate some places that you can knock down areas and make sort of a bedding area out of it and never go in there and just let it be a good sanctuary. Mm -hmm. You're just wasting your time if you don't have the property to do it with.
0: Yeah. I would, uh, I would just, challenge that, that statement with a couple hundred acres. I think, I think you can get away with it on smaller properties pending how the property lays out. Mm, possibly. You know, you know, if you can get around your property, um, you know, and still have those bedding areas, but still be able to maneuver around that property, I think you can get away with it on smaller, you know, especially in like if you have a lot of terrain features and stuff.
1: It's relative. It yeah. depends on who your neighbors is and, you know,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: what what you have going on around you but i guess it would be possible but you know these these guys that go out and do these consultants or they give this hope of you know we're going to make bedding areas here and there and we're going to hold deer that's another key buzzwords there we're going to hold deer well that's mm-hmm. that's great if you have the property to do that but mm-hmm. most hunters or guys that are food plotting don't have hundreds of acres.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Most guys are dealing with 20, 40, 20 or 40 acres. And,
1: you know, I, and only a couple are tillable probably.
0: Yeah. A couple are tillable. Um, and some, some consultants and stuff that I, or, uh, landowners that I consult on some of those, you know, smaller acres, I can, you know, recommend betting on it if they can still Mm -hmm. maneuver but most times from what i see when guys are talking about you know bedding areas or buck bedding they're talk they're talking about if you have a, a specific buck you're hunting you can make this bedding area and have this specific buck bed here and i uh, just i just call 100% bogus um uh, i yeah it's just don't bogus. get
1: me started i've watched this one guy and they literally cut a log. Mm, I've seen it. And they rolled this log into this position. Mm. And then they got like a bale of hay and sprinkled it all out in front of this log and said that that's going to be this nice soft spot for a deer to lay down. Yeah. And they're going to set a camera on it. Okay. I don't know that they've actually proved that it worked. I'm not saying it wouldn't work, Mm -hmm. but why are you overthinking that? Yeah. Okay, that is my whole thing about this whole betting thing.
0: It's uh, it's because it, <laughs> you know that person made that video. It's because they they needed a video. They needed a topic. They they were trying to probably get the video a lot of views on it. And they said it creates controversy. And this whole the whole deer hunting world is about those trigger words that get people excited because of making money you know like uh like i yes i do consulting um and i i tell people how to design their land and everything but i would never tell somebody i would never give somebody false hope and say hey if you cut this log and rake out this area and that you're going to have a specific wild free-ranging deer bed there is it possible there's a very small percentage that it may happen but you're not Don't get your hopes up. It's doubtful though. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I just do not agree with that. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I have seen so many deer just when they get tired, they just buckle them front legs and they plop down. Mm -hmm. They snooze it off for 10 minutes and then they get up and move on. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter where they're at as long as they're not in danger.
0: Yeah. 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 They'll bet anywhere. Really?
1: I mean, It's it's crazy. In the in the middle of a plot, you know, in the middle of a yard. It it really doesn't matter. As long as Mm -hmm. they feel safe and secure, they'll bet anywhere they want. Yeah. You know. Now I did see a very good, I should say very well done video by another fella. And he had his property timbered Mm. and the mess that was left behind, he went in and made some corridors and things and uh kind of steered the deer through his property some and some of the big mess the big you know build up that they left behind he went in and trimmed out an area so there was like covering over their heads you know Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: then he put a camera on it and the deer were going in there and checking it out you know but deer are curious by nature i mean I could go down here and fire up a chainsaw on my property and knock down one tree, you know mm-hmm. and within a couple of hours they're on it. They just oh, come yeah. to, they just come to see what it's all about, you know yeah. I swear they listen for that saw and they follow that noise yeah because they they know that there's gonna be something hitting the ground and it's food. You know, yeah, yeah, so, but yeah, whoa, whoa. This, he, it was a well done video and, and he put, he did put a camera on it and he did show the deer were coming in and out of there. And, and there was a couple that actually did bed down in there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, I mean, that worked, it did. So I can't say that, I'm, you know, I can't be 100% against it, but I just think majority of it is
0: bogus. Like you said. I think it is. And I think the way to break it down for people, and the reason we're talking about this is. Of like, you know, we said in the, in the past, like, false hope, you know, there's a lot of consultants out there that will provide this buck betting information to clients. And it, as a person, like, we get excited by, like, the video I produced today was trigger words. You know, if somebody says cheeseburger, I'm on it. Mm. If somebody says steak, I'm on it. You know, it's a, it's a it's an exciting word. And when a person, a hunter... Is, say they're not having success, they're having a tough time, they're not seeing much deer on their property. All of a sudden, there's this guy out there, whoever it is, that says, hey, if we cut on your property, you can have buck bedding. Well, now all of a sudden, that hunter is excited. He's like, oh, man, I can go out to my property. Yeah. I can just cut some trees down and and have buck bedding. Yeah. There needs to be more thought into it than just that right you can't just go out there on your property and start cutting the way i break it down is if you have small property say 10 acres 20 acres 30 acres something like that the if the property doesn't lay out correctly to where you can have bedding and still maneuver your primary focus should be food because deer will find a place to bed If the property is larger, okay, like 50 to 100, hundreds of acres, then you can start putting in strategic bedding areas. That's the way I I see it. Smaller properties focus on food. You start getting into larger properties, start focus on bedding and food. Because on those large properties, you can have both of them and have success. Small properties (laughs) have food. Because deer live by their stomach. They have to feed. They'll find a place to bed. Yeah.
1: And I've said this a hundred times. I don't care if they're on a neighbor's property, mm-hmm. betting, as long as they have to walk through my property to get check out that little plot, mm-hmm. you know, to get a bite. And yeah. that gives me a chance to look them over and decide whether or not that's one I want to shoot. Yeah, well, you know, the, the I mean, I
0: do care. I shouldn't say it like yeah, that. I yeah. do care
1: if they're on a neighbor's property because they might get a crack at something before right. I do. But well, a, you understand wild, what I say, you know?
0: It's a wild deer. You can't control what it does. Yeah, you're
1: not gonna. You're not gonna. I mean, you can steer them certain ways through corridors and strategically placed food items. You know,
0: mm-hmm. I mean, they
1: they're gonna come that direction eventually. But
0: yeah, well, there's yeah, too many when people say stuff. You know, there's too many like absolutes. There's nothing that's absolute, you know,
1: not in the wild,
0: not in the wild. It's a wild deer. So it's very property specific. You just have to be careful guys. Cause I've seen it even on my consulting trips as somebody, I get there and they're like, Hey man, you know, I, I implemented this person's technique. I implemented this person's technique. I go through the property. I'm like, dude, where do you hunt? Because your entire property, you have something going on.
1: It's a habitat improvement plan. <laughs> you
0: you can't, you can't get around the property. And they're like, yeah, it's weird because I did all these improvements
1: right. and I don't see, I don't see no deer. Yep. Yeah. They, they did a habitat improvement plan, but didn't plan on hunting.
0: Yeah. All this stuff is very good. You know, bedding areas, cutting, you got to have, you know, sunlight, you got to have regrowth, but there needs to be a plan. You got to think. For yourself on your property, not just because somebody says to do it. Right. All right. All right. We're in second gear. Yeah.
1: Let's shift, man. I I think we beat that
0: we We said we weren't going to go down a rabbit hole. I think we did.
1: (laughs) I think we did. (laughs) Okay. Now, I know we already talked about some frost seeding, but as you guys know on my channel, I get a lot of ideas from facebook and youtube uh and lately i know like i said i know we just did frost seeding but Mm -hmm. these people keep asking because it was 60 degrees today they want to know if they can till or or frost seed now or when should i plant okay
0: and you're talking about clover specific
1: yes clovers alfalfas things right now hard seed that you can put it in the ground Mm -hmm. um and, and we're – like you said, you can go back and listen to that podcast. What I wanted to talk about, though, was people were asking about clover and alfalfa-specific stuff, and I wanted to talk about a first-time person that has never did the frost seeding at all ever before, and they want to know how to get into it. And mm-hmm. I don't think we covered this on the last time, and – Specifically, what I wanna say is you just don't wanna pick a spot, even if it looks like it's bare dirt. Mm-hmm. You just don't want to pick that spot and say this looks like a good spot. I'm gonna frost seed here. Okay. And here's why I say that. Mm-hmm. I
0: wanna I wanna tell it do... tell tell us why.
1: Well, this is why.
0: Take a deep breath, tell us why.
1: You are gonna have probably You're going to have a lot of competition. There's going to be grass and weeds and Mm -hmm. Mm broadleafs that are going to be there in that dirt waiting to pop up with your seed.
0: They're also going to germinate quicker than the clover.
1: And it'll overtake and you will fail. And -hmm. that is my point. So you say, okay, Chris, what did you just say? Here's what I want to say. You are better off picking a spot that you want to have as clover and you are going to want to plant that late, fo- you know, not late, but for your fall planning, you would be better off establishing clover in the fall this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And have the weed competition at its lowest going into fall. And then you may have i mean if even if you had to spray or whatever to get that plot started okay make sure you eliminate all that competition up front get the clover growing and establishing then you're setting yourself up cuz everything you do every time you plant you you should be looking forward to the next season mm-hmm. and you sh- you will be setting yourself up very pretty for next spring You can then frost seed into that established clover, Mm -hmm. okay, and be weed free and eliminated all that competition. And you will be surprised at the second year growth you will have coming off of that that clover because – If you know anything about clover, it grows slow, very slow. And Mm -hmm. so you do not, people get frustrated with their first year's growth. So second year, you're going to come out banging and you're going to be filling in bald spots or whatever when you frost seed. And you're going to be very happy if you listen to what I just told you.
0: Talk about filling in bald spots.
1: Yeah, it's a good thing you wore your hat.
0: I know, you too what um clo uh,
1: i got miracle grow up there
0: yeah me too um clover like you said is very slow to germinate so when you're trying to establish it in the spring those weeds i mean weeds are going to be green up before anything else oh. now obviously if you have like wheat and rye or something th- those are going to green up first before the weeds come up but clover takes a long time it to, does. to go and it's just going to get smothered out there's there's a rush on food plots but it's better people they want to do food plots they they want to but on some things it's best to just wait because you'll just fail like you yeah. just said you'll fail you will and fail. It's, then it's like oh i bought junk seed or right it's everybody's um, fault but theirs yeah it's everybody's fault it's nothing to do with the seed it's just you didn't prep goes into everything you no matter what you do most time most times you know sometimes you can prep and fail but most times you the more you prep the better success you're going to have and it that goes with clover if you're trying to plant it in the spring yeah Yeah. i
1: made that mistake early on when i first started plotting about 10 years ago and i was i thought okay spring's here you know the the snow's off the frost's out Mm -hmm. okay i disked the ground and i threw that clover in well then i just i just unearthed all the weed seeds Mm -hmm. and then it just it just was total garbage after that and i got so frustrated with it until i really researched it more
0: yeah, you know. well, the whole idea of a food plot is a food plot, you know, to to have the species grow that you planted yeah. that you that you paid for more you know, than the weeds, more than the weeds. <laughs> you want you that?
1: Know? You want the plot to yeah. shine, not the you weeds.
0: Want, yeah, you want to get your money's worth out of the plot, and yeah. you know, and if you have if you're planting other things, not just clover, you know, some weeds in there during the spring and summer is normal. It's fine. You know, deer eat the weeds and stuff like that. Right. But when you go into the fall, it's best to have a weed-free food plot because you need the most tonnage at that time of year to last you through the hunting season. And um, speaking of establishing clover for first time, you know, as you said, you know, bare dirt. If you have a spot, you know, if you planted brassicas in the fall with no clover, now you could a person could come in there yep, this broke. winter you know, in last year's annual brassica plot, they can come in this year and go ahead and frost seed that plot.
1: Yeah, because you probably eliminated the weeds to plant your brassicas in anyhow.
0: You'll you'll have a good start. Yeah.
1: So you could go ahead and do that. Now um I don't recommend starter fertilizer for (laughs) for frost seeding obviously. Yeah. But if you're establishing, if you're going to try to establish clover in the fall don't forget a little bit of starter fertilizer when you when you plant that because we hear it all the time. Some knucklehead on on Facebook says you don't need fertilizer because clover makes its own nitrogen. Mm-hmm. Well, a seed does not contain nitrogen. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you can go back and watch some videos on that too.
0: Mm-hmm. We, we have can... a we have a food plot seminar video. That has a lot of that information on yes, there. Yes, we do. You guys can search own, search it on YouTube. Just type in how to create the perfect food plot. And I think mm-hmm. it pops up, number one. But they can – it's a whole thing they can go in there and watch.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think on mine it was the uh, – what was that, the virtual expo or something we, yeah. we recorded that for?
0: Yeah, we got – we got yeah. hoaxed in the dawn, and it turned out to be a disaster. <laughs>
1: that was, that was the, the 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 expo that never happened.
0: Yeah, the expo that never happened that we when got COVID
1: to. was going on, we was yeah. going to do a virtual expo, and yeah. Dave and I was going to be giving this seminar. Mm-hmm. And they, these folks contacted him and told us to put together this half-hour seminar. I think it was
0: more than that. It was like forty minutes. It,
1: it was almost yeah and i think you did edit it down to 35 or 36 minutes yeah but it's a banging video man i mean it's good it's real yeah. good yeah. and uh we cover a lot of stuff in that and we did. people people ought to take take advantage of that
0: yeah so it you wasn't a, wasn't a full waste of time
1: no no it's it on was, both it's on both our channels so
0: i mean you yeah, can check it, it out so i want to i want to shift into third a little bit and talk about um woods food plots
1: uh, i love woods food
0: plots it's we're getting that time it's actually a perfect time to start working on that type of stuff um so i wanted to you know discuss that and it's something... i just cut
1: some trees down in my woods to a little yeah. more sunlight
0: right so let's yeah. let's kind of take somebody because that most most hunter not most whatever the percentage is they're planting something in the woods they don't have yeah. large ache like we discussed in the beginning right they don't have they don't have large acres <laughs> Sometimes you just have to go in the woods, find a little, you know, semi-open area, and people want to plant a food plot. So let's talk some some of the pros with that, but also some of the cons with sunlight and so things. We can we can reference the farm.
1: Yeah, we could. So starting out, first of all, you want to find a good spot that Mm -hmm. you have good entrance and exit, Uh, and secondly don't skip your your soil tests yeah they start start there start there and yeah. then of course you have to worry about sunlight
0: so yeah and you know the biggest thing with the woods food plot like you said is uh is sunlight and i learned that a long time ago guys is if you know you got to have sun on, everything needs sun and if you had a failure in the past you'll probably recognize this situation but um if you don't have enough sun the plant whatever it is that you that you plant it'll grow it's going to grow oh
1: it'll pop up
0: it's going to pop up but the what happens is eventually it the sun is not hitting that plant and it develops weak root system so that plant grows tall and then it doesn't have the sun so the plant just flops over and lays flat if you guys have seen that it's either lack of sun or very low ph because it doesn't have that root structure to hold that plant vertical because it can't chase the sun yeah basically um you know wood food woods food plots are can be very good i mean you can have some very good success but you're just gonna have to get sunlight you know i see so many guys fail and they they're not allowed to cut trees or you know whatever the case may be and if if that's the case like if you can't cut the trees you don't have enough sun don't waste your money because you're going to fail it's yeah. going it's going you're not going to have good success with it
1: right yep you'd be better off uh picking a trail going to a plot somewhere or, or a farmer's field mm-hmm. and setting up and letting that be your food plot Yeah, But as an example, when I moved here and built this house, my woods was nothing but a dark cavern down there. So such a thick canopy and nothing but ferns. I mean, ferns up to the knees and I I went down there with the climbing tree stand a few times and, and just hit or miss, just climbed a straight tree and, got up and watched where the deer came from.
0: That was and back I, in the day when you had you could actually use a climber.
1: Yeah, I'm too old to do that now. Right. But I went down there and I would watch and see where they were coming from and then I kind of patterned that and I figured out what what would be a good spot to put a plot down there. And it was a big learning curve because the main thing was, we talk about sunlight, but look at it from this angle, too. My problem was not enough sunlight because I had such wet ground down there. It was kind of almost swampy. It held so much moisture because there wasn't any sunlight. So I right. wasn't, you know, it wasn't, I w- at the time, I wasn't thinking photo th- photosynthesis sunlight. I was thinking, I need to open this up to dry this up some cause it was mm-hmm. so wet and I had so many ferns and I knew that that meant that the pH was very, very low. So I started hitting it with the lime heavy and, uh, just every year it just gets better because mm-hmm. I go down every winter time and I take a couple more trees, out. you know, before long, I won't have any woods. It'll be all food plot down there. Right. But Hey, I shoot deer down there every year. And I, it's two acres and I see deer every time I go down there and hunt, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so it, it is very, it's, you can be very prosperous on a small kill plot, you know, yeah. and, and I bet you that's not an eighth of an acre down there.
0: No, it's probably smaller than that. It
1: probably might be a 16th, you know, who knows, yeah. but it yeah. is small.
0: But it's just enough room to stop there and get yeah, a shot.
1: That's all I want. I want them to, when they're cruising through and they're going to my destination plots up over the hill here, they stop there. And like I said before, it gives me time to look them over Mm -hmm. and uh, see if I want to partake in their lives.
0: Yeah. I'd I'd, um, like to reference the pH issue, and I'll reference the farm. Um, When we first cleared that quarter acre spot, Mm-hmm. We did a soil sample and it was 4.6. Yeah, it which was is horrible. Very low um, because it was all pines. Yeah. You know, in those pine situations, woods situations, you're going to have probably low pH because of the leaves, decaying leaves, they're acidic and everything. But we added, um, we added some lime to it that year, actual lime, pelletized lime. And I think we put a whole pallet in it. We did. A whole ton. Yep. And we, we rechecked it the following year. And it jumped from a 4.5 to a 5.9 the first year.
1: Was it that high? I couldn't yeah. even remember that. Yeah, yeah. I still got the
0: soil samples on my phone. Wow. Um, I, I use them to show people sometimes, but uh we and the stuff grew, everything grew very well, and then we added another thousand pounds. The the second third time testing it, it was up to a six point six. So and I people, found a shed. And you found a shed. <laughs> and um, I say that because a lot of people say, oh, well, I can't, you can't raise the pH that fast. You know, it doesn't work. I tried. It doesn't work. It works. But you have to use actual lime. I had a guy, um, it was like a quarter acre plot. And he sent me a message. He's like, hey, Dave, um, I have this quarter acre plot. pH is low. I added 100 pounds of lime. <laughs> 100 pounds. <laughs> 100 pounds. I said, "What are you going to do with 100 pounds? Like that's yeah. that's not going to do nothing. Like no. you need to add lime. Like what is the it? Lime.
1: They tell you what two thousand
0: pounds per acre
1: per acre to raise you one point or something that's, like that's that. A, that's a standard. That's a generic yeah term. Thing. Yeah, but I
0: I actually think it's more than that. I think it is more than that. And I the soil has a lot to do with it as well. See, Your, but we
1: had we had such a small." Yeah, plot. It was right. under a quarter acre and
0: yeah. it was very concentrated. We like that put
1: 3000 pounds on it in, in two years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Lime. I mean, you need a lot of lime to move the numbers. Yes. It's just, it's just one of those things where you're just going to have to do it. You need lime to do it. Yeah. And, um, there's a whole nother debate with the, the liquid lime and stuff. But,
1: oh, I was just going to mention um, that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, that's not going to help you out. Um, you need to add actual lime you need to incorporate, you know, green manure into the soil to increase your CEC so that soil can actually hold that lime and nutrient levels.
1: You you want calcium carbonate. Yeah. If it doesn't say carbonate after the calcium, you're not mm-hmm. going to be raising your pH.
0: Why don't you talk about real quick um, the uh, the lime? with the percentages and everything to make sure you're getting all the lime and not just fillers filler.
1: Which, which portion now? The the... calcium, the uh,
0: calcium carbonate equivalent and all that. Oh
1: yeah. The equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that before. If you flip a bag over, if you go to your local store and you buy a bag of lime, Mm -hmm. you want to look on the back of that bag and you want to see, it should be listed as C C E. Calcium carbonate equivalent. And that is telling you how much actual lime that you have in a bag. Like if it's a 40-pound bag and it says 90% CCE, 10% of that bag is filler. So you're not even getting a full 40-pound bag, you Mm -hmm. know, of lime. So you really need when you get your soil test back and it says you need a hundred pounds of lime, okay, you had better if you if you only needed a hundred now, this is just an example. If you only know, if you only needed a hundred pound of lime on the portion that they recommend to you, and you buy two 40 pound bags and it's a hundred percent CCE. That's still only 80 pounds, and they told you Mm -hmm. you needed 100. So you better buy a third bag, just a small example there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when you get your soil test back, and they give you a recommendation for how much lime you need per whatever you put in for, eighth, quarter, acre, whatever they tell you, or whatever you uh, got the test for. When they tell you how much you need, you need to make sure that you have whatever your calcium carbonate equivalent is percentage wise, that it's going to match up poundage wise with what they recommended for you.
0: All right. I'm in part guys. Um, you got anything else?
1: I think, I think we're good for this week.
0: All right. Well, uh, I appreciate everybody listening video version on Chris's channel. Um, and I appreciate everybody listening. We're getting, the views are starting to stack up on the, on the audio, on the podcast with Apple and, Spotify and what really would help us guys. If you're listening to this, just drop a review on Apple and Spotify. Um, it'll help us out. If you enjoyed the podcast and uh, it'll kind of, it's a, it's still new and it'll bump us up in the, in the rankings a little bit. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's it. That's all I got. All right. We'll
1: see you all next week.
0: Number nine. Okay. Later.